You're You're listening listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah and Nick. Nick, how are we doing this Tuesday evening? Pretty good, man. Uh, Can't complain too much. Feeling really good. Uh, I'm addicted to my new gym now, Micah. I have a problem where, like, I go to bed and I just can't wait to go to this new place. So I, I think that's a good thing because I'm loving it so much. So... Um, other than that, feeling good, ready to preview, um, nothing else, man, nothing much has changed since Sunday. So how have you been? I wish I was addicted to my gym. That would be, that would make my life a heck of a lot easier. (laughs) It's a, it's definitely, it's definitely different than other gyms. I can tell you that it's not your stereotypical go in, lift, get out. It's. Definitely. What what type of gym is it? Because like, I've debated in my own head. Like, I I give a lot of people like in my own head. I I chirp people that do like those you know those F forty fives or like the Orange Theories. Because like, I just feel like that's just like a waste of money. But the more I think about it, like I can't get myself to go to the gym, and I know that like going to those I still have to show up for them but like if I prepaid for let's say like 20 classes right I would go because I, I paid for it and like yeah I know you pay monthly for your gym membership though yeah I haven't been charged for my gym membership in like set like 12 months almost and I only paid for six so whatever but like you know I've, I've probably used it enough to where they're probably like yeah he can have another couple months free and like it comes all the time anyways but like I've thought, like, okay, if I pay for the 20, like, I'll go and I'll show up. And, like, because I was a college athlete, like, even though I'm not even close to that shape or flexibility anymore, like, if given the opportunity to, like, compete, air quotes, and have someone pushing me, then maybe I'd actually go to the gym on a regular basis and actually enjoy it again. Because, like, you know, my brother does personal training. He sends me plans. And I have to pay him a pretty astronomical rate. And he's like, well, why do you not want to keep you know, doing it. And I'm like, because you're not there to motivate me. Like all I'm doing is paying for a sheet of paper and not to be rude, but like, I'm not trying to become a bodybuilder. So like once you've written it for me once, I'll just go on cycles where I do six weeks of that. And then I'll just be back down with heavier weight and work my way back up again. Right. Like, so it's just like, I guess what type of gym is it? Cause like, I know this is not a gym podcast, but like, I'm actually kind of curious. Cause like I probably need something to get me back in the gym. I mean, I've been walking 15,000 steps a day, so I've lost 10 pounds in the last, like, week and a half, two weeks because of it. But, like, that won't, like, I remember what it was like when I did that a couple of years, like a year or two ago. I got to a point where I plateaued because, again, like, you can only burn so many calories walking. Eventually, you know, your metabolism catches up and everything, and it's like, you obviously burn it a lot slower, so... So, what it is, it's called, it's called HIT. It's short for high. Right, I, know, I know what HIT is. I know what HIT is. Oh, okay, okay. I was a college athlete. I know, high, <laughs> I know high intensity interval training. So, yeah, so I actually really didn't until my last roommate in college. He was a, uh, he was like an amateur boxer, kind of like MMA fighter, you know, and he actually got my brother into it and then um yeah so basically what this gym does is you you're basically in four stations uh and it's an hour class 
uh, and you rotate through those stations every nine minutes. Um, you get an, ex- an extraordinary, extraordinary good amount of sweat in. Uh, you feel really, really good afterwards. Um, I just like, I have always been the type of guy, go to the gym, put your headphones in, don't talk to anybody, just pump in an hour and a half to two hours and you're done. But lately for me, that has been like so repetitive, so boring. It's the same routine every time that like, I really wasn't noticing any change. I really actually wanted to lose weight because I had put some on. Um, and right now I've been doing this for about a month and a half and this is the best I've felt in quite a while. And physically, like physically I'm back down to about where I was to start the summer because I put on a ton of weight when I was in Europe, but I look different, like in the mirror it's not the same like 170 pounds that I was back in May. It's a different 170 pounds that I am right now. And it's really good, man. Like you do all sorts of things, legs. Like today was the upper body day. So we did a lot of chest, a lot of shoulders, um, a little bit of cardio. There's always a little bit of cardio and core mixed into these things every day. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. Like I'm enjoying it. And it's cool because I'm, I'm like meeting new people my age now. So like 26, 27 years old, which is nice. Um, it's fun. Like it's the best workout I've gotten in. I've gotten since like, I don't know, high school football practice or working out before practice or after practice. It's it's that good. I, I, like, I like it a lot. It really does like improve your mood too. Like afterwards – you feel like so happy you just did all that and you feel really good. Yeah. No, I mean, that sounds, that sounds awful, but it sounds like a good, you know, workout. So I don't blame you there. Nick, you want to know the last time I was 170? If you had to guess, when was the last time I was 170? I'm going to guess seventh grade. Close. Eighth grade. Hey, oh, that was my initial guess. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I haven't, dude, I haven't weighed under 200 pounds in like, I think since like the very beginning of my freshman year of high school. I mean, granted, for those of you who don't know, like, you know, Nick, I don't want to undersell you height wise, but you're not taller than 5'8", right? Yes, I am. <laughs> you're taller than 5'8"? I'm 5'9", yeah. Yeah, okay, then I'm 6'6". Six, six. Um, listen, listen, do not do not PFT me right now, okay? I'm dude, five I nine. tower over you, and I'm 6'3 and a half, 6'4 on a good day. You are, yeah, I'm not denying that, but I am 5'9", my bro- because my brother is 5'10". He's an inch taller than me. Okay. Okay, well, anyways, guys, Nick is 5'9", I'm 6'4", so obviously, like, for me... You know, my plus I think Nick can attest to this. Like my lower half, not even fat wise, like I've for whatever reason I've been blessed with pretty big ass calves and like tree trunks for legs. So like I've always had like a bigger side. Obviously I'm fat right now, but like you know, being on like my healthy weight at my height currently is like two thirty five and I'm not there, but like that would like if I was under two twenty five it'd be like, Hey, you need to like (laughs) eat. (laughs) So, right. but 
Anyways, enough gym talk. It's uh, it's ACC Big Ten Challenge Week. Nick, did you know that? Yeah, I'm looking at a couple game, three games right now that look like that. Six. So there's six of thirteen games. Wow, that's a lot. That is. A, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm really starting to see it. Yep. Yep. Six. So we gotta. So we gotta. Before we preview them. I think we should talk about a better way to preview them in a sense is what we deem success for the ACC in that. Because what's crazy is we've got six ACC versus Big Ten games. We've got an ACC-SEC game. We've got an ACC-Big 12 game. So that's eight right there, Power 5 games. Obviously, then there's also a regular just ACC game, you know, with BC and, and Florida State. So it's nine, but obviously there's a winner and a loser with the AC on that one, so we're not going to count that towards our number. So my question to you is, we'll go ACC Big Ten first. What do you deem as success? And before we go into that, Nick, I'll go first. You can kind of take a chance to look at it. I think we have to have a winning record because you look at the matchups. And, you know, Virginia at Maryland, that one clearly leans Maryland. Like, that just is what it is. But, you know, Duke Northwestern, that leans, or at least it should lean Duke. Rutgers, Virginia Tech, I mean, I lean Rutgers on that one, but, like, that's no gimme for sure. North Carolina should be favored against Minnesota. Purdue hosting Syracuse. The way the Orange have played, I think Syracuse should be the favorite there. So you've got a couple of those. Obviously, Louisville, Indiana, I think you've got a favorite Louisville. So, I think four and two, like, three and three is, like, okay, fine. Four and two is success. Under 500 is, like, crap. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, this is not the bottom of the Big Ten, but there really isn't a ton of, like, the best Big Ten team playing in this is probably Maryland, maybe Minnesota. So, like, but Minnesota's playing one of our top teams. And Maryland's playing our worst team or second to worst team, depending on who you want to talk to. So you're looking at a team that, like, you're looking at the matchups, and it's like, okay, I think the ACC, I mean, they're favored. The ACC, based off of Vegas, is favored to go 2-1, and 3-1, and 3-2, and 4-2 and two in those games. So, again, for a success to occur, I think you've got to go 4-2. and two. But do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah, I think successfully, uh, four and two. Um, I think that would be a huge win for the ACC. Now we already we we have one more ACC SEC game, which would be awesome if we won that. Then I think the ACC would be five and one. Um, we're already zero and one against the Big Ten because Virginia Tech lost to Purdue this past Saturday. So I think you finish this week four and two against the Big Ten. That's a success, man. I, I and four and three overall because I don't think we have any more ACC Big Ten games after this week, unless I'm there's one more or a couple more after this week. But I agree. I think four and two is a success, especially looking at these matchups. You know, I think five five and one is a possibility too. Like I'm not, I'm not saying Virginia Tech can't get it done. I truly think they can get it done. I'm not really high on Rutgers this year. So um, I think Virginia Tech can prove something for sure. So 
five and one would be an ultimate success, but four and two, I could walk out of that Saturday feeling good about the ACC. Yeah, and then obviously in the two other Power Five versus other outside Power Fives, I think a split, you know, is what you're hoping for from the ACC standpoint of Pitt, West Virginia, and Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. So obviously important to keep in mind, but let's dive right into the FCS games first, get those out of the way. Miami Bethune-Cookman. Uh, this game would have so much more intrigue if Bethune-Cookman wouldn't have fired Ed Reed after hiring him. So, I mean, Miami should house these guys. Um, I won't put it past Miami to mess around for a quarter, maybe even two, just because it's hangover spot. It's it's just Miami. I mean, we talked about it on the last pod. We're not We're not completely all in on Miami just yet because – We've been here and done done that with this program before. But, you know, NC State and VMI, I mean, dude, VMI is bad. Like, I genuinely think VMI might be the worst team in the SoCon. You know, they just lost to Bucknell. They, uh, they beat Davidson, who made the FCS playoff last year. Um, Nick, I don't know how much you, how, how psychopathic you follow college football. You know Barton College down in North Carolina? Barton College, yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, the D2 school, yeah, they beat Davidson on Friday night. Oh. So, um, that win for VMI does not look good at all. Um, so, yeah, uh, the only thing VMI has going for it is Danny Rocco is familiar with what Robert and I and NC State does because he was at Richmond for a really long time and got to see that Bronco Mendenhall coach Virginia team in his time. But I mean, that's, that's not saying a ton. Um, I think he actually was the head coach, if I'm not mistaken, that beat Virginia in Bronco's first game. <laughs> but yeah, it's I mean, those, those games just seem like it's funny, Nick, because the CW has some pretty good ACC matchups lined up throughout the year, but goodness gracious, this NC state VMI one is just, like they, they, like I know, like it's normally a Raycom, Raycom game, so it kind of makes sense to a point. But goodness gracious, they threw that game to no pun intended, the Wolves. Yeah. Like here you go, here's the worst game possible. Like, <laughs> only people watching this game will be NC State fans or people that can't figure out how to change the channel on their remote and they were watching, you know, whatever Lost or whatever the heck's on CW nowadays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So I guess let's do this, Nick. What do you deem as success for both Miami and NC State? Like, does, do they need to win by four scores each? Like, what are you looking for? You can speak more specifically on NC State. Like, what is your 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 hope, your expectation with this game? Because, I mean, obviously, a win is the bare minimum. Right, yeah. I'll, I'll do Miami real quick. First of all, fun fact. I was just on my way down here to record with you, Micah. And uh, you brought up Ed Reed. Ed Reed was just on Family Feud that my parents were watching. So I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, Miami, what I'm looking for is, look, just beat them. Just, it, 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 I'm not necessarily looking for four scores out of Miami and Bethune-Cookman. Mainly because, yes, I think there could be a possibility of a hangover game. But I also could see... Cristobal taking out some starters halfway through the game, uh, just resting them up because of last week's game. You, there's no reason to play like 
so hard against Bethune Cookman on Thursday night. They're, I mean, you're getting you're on short rest. Uh, so three scores, I could see that and be happy with it walking away if you're Miami. Um, again, I think they're going to rest a lot of guys come the second half for sure. With the state game, um, no, this needs to be a four-score game. Like, you need to get the absolute best out of your offense against an inferior opponent because there are a lot of things to work on. There, I hope they're working on catching. Like, Doran came out and said it this morning. We got to work on the fundamentals, like, specifically catching the ball. Like, we did not do well catching the ball. Um, this should be, like, I don't know. You, you should be going up against, like, a scout team. Treat it like a scout team kind of thing and just pummel them. You need to get locked down everything right in this game. So I'm expecting NC State to come out and win this by at least four scores. You have to. Uh, if, if you fiddle around and, like, you win this game by 17 at home, there's some problems with this offense. Like, if you can't win by at least 24 points, maybe 28 points against VMI, I don't know what to say. That's kind of embarrassing to be quite frank. So I think they need to work on everything in this game uh, and take that uh, opportunity to do so. Nick, I need, I need to have a conversation with you. Cause I'm, I'm a little confused yeah. right now with, with NC State because my intern did the same thing. We were talking about it today. Our soccer game got canceled, so we were sitting around in a rain delay for forever. The field was too wet or whatever. Why is everybody in the NC State fan base blaming this offense? The defense, in my opinion, has been more of a problem than the offense. I understand that the offense hasn't been light years, but do you not remember your offense? Like, you're averaging 24 points a game. It's not, like, the offense didn't give up 45 points. The offense didn't give up 50-yard drive, 80-yard drive, 78-yard drive, 76-yard drive. The 33-yard drive you can put on, obviously, the offense, but the 54-yard drive, like, and down the stretch when they were giving up those tough drives, like the short drives, it's because Brennan Armstrong was trying to lead a comeback. So he had to force things. Like, I know I'm obviously going to defend Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong being a Virginia guy. But your defense was the reason you lost on Saturday, not your offense. And it's, it's kind of frustrating that, like, you know, he was more specifically blaming the offensive play calling. He's like, wow, I wish we had Tim Beck. The offensive coordinator stinks. And, like, I've seen it on social media. I mean, I know you kind of took back your statement a little bit, but you even said you missed Tim Beck when you texted me on Saturday. And it's like Tim Beck had an offensive line in front of him. Tim Beck had, a, like, receivers. They don't have that right now. Right, yeah. And you can't blame Robert and I for that. Mm-hmm. You can't blame – Brennan Armstrong for that. Like, the Cover 3 podcast made it, brought up a good point when they were talking about this recap. Everyone's like, oh, Brennan Armstrong has regressed. And they go, Brennan Armstrong may have regressed, but Brennan Armstrong's the same quarterback that he was at Virginia. The difference was he doesn't have the offensive line and the receivers that he had two years ago. The receiving court at Virginia was light years better than what NC State has right now. The offensive line two years ago for Virginia was light years better than what NC State has right now. You can't establish the run game because your offensive line isn't doing anything for you. 
That's not on Robert and I. That's not on Brennan Armstrong. And in the defense of Brennan Armstrong, like, you know, he's having to make plays because the defense couldn't get off the field in the first half. Like, the second half, you can blame Brennan a little bit, but again, when you're down three scores, can you fault the kid for trying to make plays? No, you make a good – no, you, you do make a good point. And I'm not – listen, for me, the the defense is part to blame too. Um, I, I think, think you need to – I think a success for NC State is shutting out VMI this weekend. Yeah. That's what I see. I don't think the offense has to do anything. I mean, obviously, they don't score. That's a problem. Like, oh, they only score 17. But I'm not really worried about the offense. I need to see the defense actually take advantage of being more talented than somebody. I agree. I agree. Yes. Um I think the reason why people are on the offense so much more than they are on the defense is because we, at least on the defense, I think we have seen their strengths. The D-line is fantastic. Peyton Wilson is fantastic. Uh, A couple of our safeties are really, really good. Linebackers, we need some guys to step up for sure to not give up big runs like that. Um, I think that's why I I truly think that's why. And, you know, we've, we've, we got to Sam a few times, but the problem with the defense is we have given up the big plays. And I have said before that we need to clean that up. Um, and I don't, I don't think I necessarily blame Robert and I, okay. I think the only time where I was a little frustrated with him was when we made Sam Hartman fumble at their own 20 and we were going for a touchdown every play, and I just didn't understand why we were doing that. I think that was really the only time where I kind of criticized Robert and I throughout the whole game. Um, but no, Micah, you're you're correct. The defense, I, I think I put it out on my on the fifth quarter NC State page that it's a team sport, and we lost this game as a team. Defense gave up big runs. Um, Receivers dropped passes. Uh, Brennan threw a bad interception and deep in our own territory. The O-line is having troubles uh, with the run game. It's a combination of everything. Um, But to answer your question, I think it's because we have seen uh, strengths in the defense that we can highlight, and we haven't seen much of a strength in the offense, I guess, if I had to pick something, it would be Brennan Armstrong's legs right now. What's the what's the strength in the defense you've seen? The defensive because line is very, very good, and they pressure and they stop the run. If they were really, really good, why did they give up 45 to Notre Dame? If they're really that good, you might say, oh, they held UConn to 14. Oh, who else did that this past weekend? Georgia State, who's not a good football team. UConn, in my opinion, had a better, like, had more success than NC State's offense did. And I know, again, that could be a shot at NC State's offense, fine. But UConn was moving the football on NC State. They got in their own way in that game. I just, I just don't understand, like, like everyone's like, oh, the defense is going to be okay. And I haven't seen anything that's made the defense go, okay, this team's going to be okay. I think this defense might be one of the worst in the conference right now. I'm being that very seriously. Because it's not like NC State's going three and out every time I touch the ball. Like, Virginia's defense is getting toast, but their defense is pretty solid. 
but they're getting toast because they're going three and out so much. Or like for example, Virginia's touchdown, they gave up two like kind of special team ish touchdowns from a block punt and a and a pick inside their own red zone. Where they had the ball like first and goal at the five. Yeah. So it's different. Like, I mean again, like I'm not saying this defense is terrible, but like I have seen nothing from the defense. Not that the offense has shown me a ton either, but I have seen nothing from this defense that make like Nick, I went back, and I'm, I'm doing all my bowl projections again, so I went and re-picked every game. I went from having a 10-2 and NC State team to a 6-6, six 7-5 and six, seven and five NC State team. Yeah. Because I don't trust this defense. So, we'll see. But, I mean, that's, that's a lot of talk on NC State for a game against VMI. <laughs> yeah. So. But, no, you make but, some fair points. I don't disagree at all. All right, we move on to Virginia, Maryland on Friday night. My question is, Is will Calandria start for Virginia or will they go Tony Musket? If they go Tony Musket, again, I, I understand the whole, if you get hurt, you shouldn't lose your starting job. But if someone outplays you, they outplay you. Yeah. Like, talking about the freshman of the week in the conference, the kid that gave us a chance can do more with his legs than Musket can, which and with our offensive line, we need that. I mean, no matter what, Maryland's going to cook this team. Talia's going to have a day. I don't think we're going to be able to slow down Hemby, the running back. You know, I haven't really trusted. Like, we still don't have the ability to run the ball at all. And Talia's been good. This is a rivalry game, so Maryland's juiced up for it. Virginia fans are juiced, but, I mean, this just, I mean, Maryland's a 14.5-point favorite. I think they cover, honestly. I don't. I don't trust Virginia, and like I said, like on my little rants, like I really don't trust this Tony Elliott Red team. Like I don't fault the players. I really think that like there's just lack of prep or lack of energy. I don't know what it is, but something's missing because it just feels like from the two games I've watched, there's a lot of fight in this young man, but there's not a lot of. It feels like this Virginia team is like these coaching coaching staff is very content with just sitting on games. It's right. Tennessee. You're not going for it. You're not being aggressive. You're sending out field goal kickers in seven nothing games. You know, after a turnover, you're 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 taking the safe route of handing the ball off. You're trying to melt the clock in a game where, especially in that second half, you've been picking apart the JMU secondary. But hey, the rules of football say burn the clock, not. Let's go win the game. Let's just sit on the game. And that backfires. So, we'll see. I mean, last year, the Virginia-Georgia Tech game, Virginia did everything in their power to lose that football game. Georgia Tech was just so abysmal that night that you, you could have physically, like, Virginia could have probably scored on themselves twice and still probably found a way to win that game because Georgia Tech was just so bad. But Virginia tried everything in their power to lose that football game. And sit on it, and sit on it, and sit on it. So, like, I wouldn't be shocked, man, if Virginia somehow jumped out to an early lead and then gets super safe, super conservative, and then Maryland comes back. <laughs> so, Maryland's going to win and cover. I, mean, I just, I mean, honestly, man, I'm looking at October 7th just hoping that Virginia can beat William and Mary so it's not a winless season. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. I think the only interesting thing about this game is – who's going to be Virginia's quarterback. Um, it, it would be very, very, very sad 
and really disappointing and just kind of like an F you to the whole Virginia fan base that if this game is anywhere near close and Tony Elliott is sitting on the ball and he's not being aggressive, like that's just a big F you. If you can't figure that out by week three, when you could have done it to Tennessee, when you could have done it to JMU, if this game's anywhere near close and he's not taking shots, then it speaks a lot to this coaching staff. So I hope they make the right choice at quarterback and I hope they are aggressive. That's kind of what I'm looking for in this game. Yeah. You think Maryland covers Nick? Uh, what is it? 14 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, I think they win by 17. Yeah. Okay. I think it'll we be move close because Maryland's kind of sketchy at the moment. So we'll see. Fair enough. All right, we'll move on to Wake heading to Old Dominion. Wake is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I feel like for most teams, this is a tricky spot. I think Old Dominion's pretty good. They beat Louisiana last week. I think that was a really good thing for Wake Forest to see that because if Old Dominion would have lost, then it would have kind of been like, oh, this team's... Not a cakewalk, but obviously kind of a pushover. Um, I mean, I know it was in Blacksburg, but what Virginia Tech had, like, what Grant Wells was able to do against Old Dominion, I mean, I think Louisiana might just not be a good football team. To be honest, like, since Billy Napier's left, that program has obviously started to really decline from what it was. Um, I don't see why Mitch Griffiths can't have a day here. I think the deep, like... I think what Wake showed against Vandy, if they even play to 90% of that caliber, they cover this. So I'll just say Wake covers because I really do think this is going to go well for them. Seems like there's a lot of Wake Forest fans making the trip over. I don't know what a lot is. It won't be what Virginia Tech had last year at Old Dominion, but I think it'll still have a lot of Wake Forest fans making the trip. So that'll obviously be nice for the guys. I mean... I think Wake covers here. I think it might honestly be a 14-point win, but that, that covers, so give me the Deeks. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a tr- tricky spot, but I expect Deacon Nation to make out make it up to the trip. Make the trip, excuse me. Um, I think that would be really cool to see a lot of black and gold up in uh, Norfolk, so we'll see. But um, – no, I think Wake can handle this. They looked really good. The offense was humming against Vanderbilt. They got some really good turnovers against Vanderbilt. And I don't see why they can't do it against um, Old Dominion. I feel I feel like Wake is a step above Virginia Tech right now, or actually a couple steps above Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech had a really good game against Old Dominion. So I don't see why Wake can't do the same. Um I think you're also right that Mitch should have a, another day to himself. I think he'll be very diverse in where he throws the ball, which receivers he's going to. Um, the play calling in this game, I think, will be very interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, see if, like, Clawson can test out Mitch's arm, how deep he can uh, take a play. I think it'll be very interesting how this offense is run. And also the defense. The defense – has looked pretty good so far in the first two games. I think it's been an improvement of what since what we have seen in the last two years. 
Um, they're turning the ball. They're getting turnovers. Uh, they got multiple turnovers against Vanderbilt last week. So if they can hold Old Dominion under 20 points, I think that's a huge success for them. Yeah, and I think that Old Dominion just – the wake's been so balanced, and Old Dominion's kind of been defensively. like They've struggled with both. I mean, I think Claiborne can have a day as well. Again, keeping – that was the thing that Virginia Tech had success, success with against them was they were very balanced in that game. I think Wake is going to be more balanced. So, you know, barring just Mitch having a really bad game or, you know, turnover troubles, I really do think Wake should be able to control this game the way they want to offensively and then their defense. You know, I think Old Dominion has an underrated offense coming into this game. This I don't think this is the best offense they've played because I think Vandy's offense is very good, but I do think this could be, you know, you know, obviously it's going to be a lot better than what Elon brought to the table. So it'll be interesting. I could see this game going similar to the Elon game where they kind of jump out early and then the Old Dominion doesn't want to go away without a fight and, you know, Wake's got to fight to get that, you know, cover and everything. But this should be. This has the potential of being a good game, but I'm hoping it's kind of not for the sake of Wake and obviously the ACC. Yeah. But we move on. We'll move on to Louisville at Indiana. Technically, this game is in Indianapolis at the Colts Stadium. Louisville's a ten. Louisville's a ten-point favorite. Um, the only reason why I don't think it's lame is it is literally the perfect middle spot. That's the only reason why I don't hate it. I always hate the ones where it's like, for example, Florida State playing in Orlando. Like, just play the game in Tallahassee. Tallahassee is literally closer to Baton Rouge than Orlando is. But like for this kind of stuff, if it's a meet in the middle and it's a, it's not like this is a, like a, you know a, a two year series. This is a one game off kind of thing. I actually don't hate it. <laughs> yeah. So, so with that being said, like, I think it'll be obviously beneficial for Louisville because I think they'll travel well. I think Indiana's a decent football team. I don't think they're as bad as everyone kind of thought they were going to be. They're going to be scrappy. They're, they're fighting for their coach's job, to be honest. Right. But with that being said, I mean, this Louisville team has looked minus, you know, that like one, like, like a quarter and a half maybe, maybe just a full, like that second quarter, really just that second quarter alone against Georgia Tech. This has looked like a very good football team. I think that second quarter was kind of an anomaly. And I think Georgia Tech might be better than Indiana. So I'm going to take Louisville to cover. I kind of think 10 is the perfect number. But I guess I feel more confident in a 14-point win than a 7-point win. I, I really do think that like the difference here is just I really like Plummer. Plummer had some success against Indiana when he was at Purdue. Tavon Jackson, the freshman quarterback for Indiana, He's pretty good, but I just don't I don't think they match up all that well overall. I mean, I think when you look at the matchup here, you know, Louisville has a very good passing offense, obviously, but really runs the ball well. Indiana has kind of struggled against the run so far. Now, they're, they're 81st in the country against the run, where Louisville's literally third in the country in rushing. They've been pretty balanced as well. So I like that a bit, like, I like how balanced they are, and I mean, this might be a hot take, but I think that this might be the most in-sync offense that they've played so far. I know 
Ohio State probably has more talent. They got Marvin Harrison on the outside, for goodness sake. But, like, Ohio State looked very, very discombobulated against Indiana. And I don't know how much of that. Some of the credit's got to go to Indiana for catching them, you know, in some sets to where it confused the Ohio State offense. But I think a lot of it was, like, Indiana threw a lot at Ohio State where now it's on film. Or Louisville, I think it's just kind of clicking right now. So I feel pretty good about this one. Yeah, I do as well. And I agree with you that um, this Indiana team is not as bad as what people think. I think they put up a pretty good fight against Ohio State, to, to especially starting off the season. That's very, very tough to do. Uh, they did what they should do to an inferior opponent, uh, just mollywopped them 41-7. to um, I think it should be a fun game, a good game. But I think Louisville will take care of business. I think this is a pretty good Louisville team. I, I still don't think they are the hype that everyone is talking about. Like, I do I think they're a dark horse? Yeah, I lean 75%. Yeah, they, they're a pretty good dark horse team. Do I think that they're going to make a run in the ACC championship? I still don't know about that, especially with the rise of some other teams in this conference. Um but we'll see. I think they should handle business. I think this is a win for Louisville. Um, I would like to see Jack Plummer again uh, not make mistakes. Like, he – I get it. They won 56 and nothing to Murray State. But he did have two interceptions, which um, you really should not be doing against Murray State of all teams. So, I would like to see Jack Plummer have a very clean game. Uh, he's familiar with this Indiana team, like you said. So it should be interesting. I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Jack Plummer will do uh, against Indiana. Yeah, I agree. All right, we move on to the noon game, the final noon game of the day on ABC. Florida State heads to Boston College. Boston College is a 26-point dog at home. Oof. Dude, I was for the longest time – like, even as early as today, going to pick Boston College. I really was. Because, like, I'm a big red bandana game kind of guy. But then I looked back at it. And BC is 4-5 and five in red bandana games. It doesn't feel like that because so many of the upsets stand out. But there's also a lot of, like, not-so-great losses. <laughs> I mean, they've played Florida State in this before. They lost 14-0 in 2015. Um, you know, obviously the most notable first ever red bandana game was 2014 where they upset USC, uh, the ninth ranked Trojans at the time. But I just don't see like I I've, I've tried when I was doing this. My brain was like, it's Florida State. They're eventually going to slip up. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's like it's Boston College. You know, I remember three weeks ago, I thought this is a much improved team. Well, then I remembered what I've seen with my own two eyes the last two weeks. I've seen a very mid-Boston College team, and I've seen arguably a top five, maybe even top two, top three team in Florida State. So I will say BC covers just because it's the red bandana game, and I don't know if Florida State's going to try to like pummel these guys into the ground, but it does feel a lot like a 35-10 to 10 type win. Or, like, maybe it's a backdoor cover on a late touchdown for BC or a late field goal for BC just because. But, I mean, I just think Florida State is just too daggone good. 
Yeah, I mean, I at this point, I'm not even thinking of Boston College as mid anymore. So I, I don't know. I maybe because it is a red bandana game, and the players do get up for this game, they could cover this. At 26 and a half on the road is quite a lot for even for a team like Florida State. It's it's still a lot. So I mean, if they win this thing by 24, like if it's like you said, 30 to 10 or 30 to 7 or something. That's kind of what it feels like. Um, I think Florida State handles them pretty well. Uh, if, if Let me ask you something. If you're Boston College, like, what – I don't like to play moral wins, but what kind of moral win do you get out of this game, like, if there is any? Because – it has not been a good start for these guys. It really hasn't. They've let a lot of, you know, people down with what we thought they could be this year. You know, we thought we were done with this Boston College at the bottom of the ACC. And it looks like even with barring everyone saying the injuries last year, that really hasn't changed how the results on the field are coming. So what do you take away if, Boston College gets pummeled in this. I just take away that they're what we think they are, which is not a very good football team. Yeah. I, mean, I think if you're BC, your goal is to be down 10 at some point in the third quarter, even if it's just getting the ball to start the half. Like, you want to feel like you're within striking distance. Where, I don't know if that'll be the case, but that I think that's kind of a moral victory. But, like, you know, again, if I'm Boston College, like, you're one and one you kind of like you you would hope to be two and one going into the year at this point you know at the end of this week if you're one and two i mean that stinks but it's not like you're zero and three and the season is lost it's not like they lost the holy cross right so you know i know like not be like beating holy cross isn't a big deal but i will say like the more i think about it and considering what holy cross has been and considering how that game was kind of playing out for a little while there beating holy cross is is, is is it should be something positive it should be some momentum because in a game like that when these type of upsets happen a lot of times when things just don't seem to be clicking for you you lose or they found a way to win again it's holy cross it's not going to work against florida state or clemson but it it's a win it's one more win than my virginia cavaliers have <laughs> so at the end of the day the season's like you're you're, you're going to be one game behind schedule if you lose this game from what you hope to be, and it's not like the ACC is like the most daunting conference in college football. You still have UConn, that's a very winnable game. I think they still have Army as well. That's a like you could honestly be three and one in non-conference, and there's enough games in the ACC where three wins is not completely out of the realm of possibility if you kind of get things rolling. So you're just looking for a reason to to hang your hat, not, you know, oh my goodness, we're terrible because we lost 63 to 7 or something. Yeah. But, all right, we move on to 3.30. We'll go Northwestern at Duke to start. Duke is a 18.5 point favorite. I mean, Northwestern was able to pummel UTEP because UTEP doesn't have size, they don't have a ton of skill. I think Northwestern saw that game as obviously a must-win kind of scenario. 
because if not, you're running into really Howard being your only chance to truly be favored and to win a game. I mean, they were the underdog against UTEP, so that was a big slap in the face. Like, and Nick, I think I don't know if I've told you this. I know I've preached it before, and on other like people I've talked to, but UTEP outside of the Mountain Time Zone is terrible. My, UTEP, I think it was last year or two years ago. Won their first ever game in program history in Eastern Standard Time. And that program's been around for a hundred years. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. So, like, this has not been, you know, a very... <laughs> granted, back, way back in the day, you know, they were a very small school, so they didn't travel to the East Coast a ton. But, like, even when they were, like, kind of clicking, they were losing to FIU with two wins because it was in Florida and they just can't seem to win there or Charlotte or wherever it was. So, again, I know this is technically central time when they went to Northwestern, but, like, they are not very good away from home at all, especially under Dana Dimmel. So a part of me kind of looks at it and, like, goes, okay, like, that's a good win for Northwestern. They obviously pummeled them, but, you know, I saw the UTEP kids' faces after they lost to Jack State. Like, those kids not quit, but, like, I'm just imagining Northwestern punching them enough to where they just quit. Where Duke is going to come out, they're going to punch Northwestern right in the mouth, and they're going to do what Rutgers did, which is just, like, Rutgers just sat on Northwestern. They, they got out to the lead and said, all right, we're just going to hold on to this game. We're better than you. We're more physical than you. Like, well, we just want to get out of here with no injuries. Like, you know, I, I honestly think Greg Schiano has some respect for the kids that are still at Northwestern. They've been through a lot. Like, you know, I think it was kind of like, just, let's just, let's just, Get out of here. Let's not put ourselves in any situations to make a mistake. I mean, and Duke's better than Rutgers. So I think Duke is going to cover this fairly easily. Yeah, me too. I just I don't think Northwestern has a whole lot to play for at this point. I think they are trying to get the wins where they can. Um, they're obviously bottom of the Big Ten. Uh, can you believe it? Last year we were – talking about this game and we were like oh it's the bottom of the big 10 versus the bottom of the acc well how quickly that has changed within a season because duke ended up being a really good team last year but yeah i think duke punches them in the mouth i can't again i just i love riley leonard like i think he's awesome i think he's uh, the perfect quarterback for duke right now um i i i want to see him have a really good game um, I, I hope if you're a Duke fan listening to this, I really hope you all show out because this team, they're different and I think they deserve it. I think they deserve a fan base, uh, to support them. Like this Duke team kind of reminds me of the early Dave Clawson days where they were trying to get the fan base back. And, you know, I don't necessarily know if Duke ever had the football fan base. Maybe when Cuckliffe first took over and then you started seeing, seeing some of that. But I think it would be huge if they could just sell out that stadium and every student was there. So that's really what I'm kind of looking forward to is seeing what the crowd would be like and how much people are really starting to recognize how good this Duke team is. So, um I expect them to cover. I expect Riley Leonard to have a good day. I expect the defense to have a good day as well. Yeah. No, I agree. 
we move on then to, we'll talk Rutgers since we were kind of just talking about, you know, what they did to Northwestern with Virginia Tech heading to Rutgers. Rutgers is a seven-point favorite. Um, I think a lot of Hokie fans are making the trip. There's a lot of Virginia Tech alum up in the New York area, so I think this will be a pretty good crowd for the Hokies. With that being said, man, I think Rutgers, like, you're not high on Rutgers. I don't think they're, like, world beaters by any means, but I think this is a bowl team. I mean, last year, obviously, they made a bowl game because of the whole APR score, and, and Wake pummeled them into the ground at the Gator Bowl. That was last year, right? No, that was two years ago. Was that really two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, because a and sure? pulled out. Yeah. Last year, Wake played Missouri. Oh, that's right. Did Rutgers make a bowl game last year then? No, I don't think they did. They just missed it. But, like, I think that Gavin Wimsett is honestly as good, if not better, than Grant Wells. I really like Greg Schiano as a coach. I think he knows what it takes with Rutgers to, to get themselves in contention. Virginia Tech's got to step away from home. I mean, I really think that's why they beat Old Dominion. Like, if they would have beaten... Purdue this past weekend, Nick, I think I'd be willing to have the audacity to pick Tech to go on the road and get the win. But losing that game at home to Purdue, a Purdue team that I think is kind of lost still, like, I don't know if I think Rutgers is better than Purdue, but on a neutral side, I'd say that Purdue and Rutgers is probably three points within each other. And you just do, again, the math of Purdue beating Virginia Tech by three at home in Blacksburg. You're going on the road like I'll say Virginia Tech covers the spray because seven, again, for Rutgers seems like a decent amount. But I think this Rutgers team is a little bit better than everyone's giving them credit for. And they hammered Temple. I know Temple's not a great football team, but like Rutgers has pretty much controlled every game they've been in so far. And defensively, man, they've been very stout. I know Northwestern and, and again, Temple aren't the most high-powered offenses, but neither is Virginia Tech. Like, the over-under in this game, I think, is set at some ridiculous number of, like, 40-something. No, 39-and-a-half. And I think the under is still a very viable option. <laughs> like, this game screams, like, 17-13 or 17-14, which is a, a, a very clear under. So I don't expect a lot of points. And I think that actually hurts Virginia Tech because, again, like, Grant Wells can't make mistakes, and I don't think that he, like, yeah. I The fact that I feel like Virginia has two quarterbacks better, and I think even Boston College has a better quarterback than Virginia Tech, is very alarming because I think talent-wise around the rest of the teams, Virginia Tech's more talented. But, yeah, I just, I lean Rutgers here. I mean, I just, I think that they're going to be able to move the football this spread opened at four and a half and it's been bumped up to seven. Wow. Like people are hammering Rutgers. And that concerns me a little bit. Like at four and a half though, I would be picking Rutgers to cover. Like I do think it's kind of in that like 17, 13, maybe, you know, 17 to, to 10 or some weird, like really kicking all field goals and it's 17 and 12. But I just, yeah, this is going to be a very low scoring affair. I think Rutgers, like, Nick, I wouldn't be surprised if this game is 17-7 final score. Virginia Tech has one drive. Rutgers just sits on the ball, controls the game. They take advantage of a Grant Wells pick, whether it be a touchdown or a field goal. 
Their offense is just a little bit better than Virginia Tech. And, like, I do think that, like, you know, Virginia Tech fans were talking a lot of shit after beating Old Dominion. A lot of shit. And, again, like, good for you. Honestly, good for you. But, like, you lose the Rutgers. Hear me out. (laughs) 0-3 Virginia and 1-2 Virginia Tech based off the schedules. There's an argument that Virginia might look better and be favored going into that game at home the end of the season at this point. (laughs) Just because Virginia has at least played teams with, like, all three teams they've played are bowl-eligible type teams for sure. Yeah. So, again, this is just, if Virginia Tech wins this game, man, I'm back on the train that they're going to go bowling, that they're going to figure this out, they're going to find ways to win in conference. But, like... I'm 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 concerned because like Nick, if they don't win this week, I'm not saying that like they're not going to go on the road and beat Marshall. But Virginia Tech going to group of five teams with passionate fan bases has not been super successful for them in the past. And I think Marshall is a pretty good football team this year. <laughs> they took it to ECU this weekend in Greenville. So we'll see. But you lose this one, you might be setting yourself up for. A, a one and three non-con and I don't see five wins in ACC play for this team. So this is a big one for the Hokies. No. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think this is a big, like this is Grant Wells. I think last chance to like show us something because he failed. He, he failed against Purdue. Um, he could have, he could have tied that game, taken the lead in the fourth quarter and they didn't score at all in the fourth quarter. Uh, which is kind of pathetic to me. Um, I don't know why I'm not so high on Rutgers. I just don't feel like, you know, it's, I guess it's the whole stigma of it's Rutgers, it's Rutgers. But no, you're right. Like after week one, we were saying this Virginia Tech team, you know, had a really good week one. And could we wake up four weeks down the road and be like, oh my God, Virginia Tech is, 4-0 4-0 with wins against Purdue and Rutgers and Marshall. Like, that would be huge, and that's not out of the realm of possibility. But now, if you don't win this game, you fall back to what everyone thought you were, which was a 1-3 team to start, hopefully a 2-2 two and two team if you can beat Marshall, which, again, at first at week one looked really good because Marshall lost to a pretty bad team. I forgot who well, it was. No. No, no, Marshall won. They just struggled with Albany. Albany, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what happened. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a test for Grant Wells. And if he can't get this this job done, then I, I don't know. It's like, do you see him – I mean, barring injury, he probably will start the rest of the season, but – you know, I was just so disappointed. I really thought he would make that turn against Purdue or turn a corner. And, you know, he has another opportunity ahead of him to turn a corner and have a really good game against what should be an inferior opponent. But it, the numbers are saying it's not. Now, I believe in my heart that it, Rutgers is an inferior opponent to Virginia Tech. But I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. I, I think this is a big test for for the rest of Virginia Tech season if they cannot get this win. And I, 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 I don't know why, but 
You could disagree with me, Micah. I'm picking Virginia Tech to win this because I still am holding out hope that Grant Wells might be able to get it done, and I think that coach can help him out a lot in this game, but we'll see. I know they're rebuilding, but it's this is a game you have to have to keep this season going. Well, you're right. and I mean, the big one for sure. All right, we move on to the last 330 game. Got Minnesota heading to North Carolina. North Carolina in a seven and a half point favorite. Um, just to be very transparent here, North Carolina should beat these guys by two, three scores. I really like. I think the Big Ten West is very mid this year. Like I don't, I don't think that Minnesota is a world beater. I don't think I Iowa's defense is going to carry them again. But I mean. I understand they beat Nebraska, but they should have lost to Nebraska. They beat Eastern Michigan, who, I mean, I think App State is a two-touchdown favorite on Eastern Michigan if they play. I think that North Carolina may have just been sleepwalking. Not sleepwalking into App State, but, again, they got App State's best. So, I think that Drake May should have some success. I mean, Nebraska moved the ball pretty well against Minnesota, this thing was they got in their own way, turning the ball over in, in the red zone, missing field goals. I, I like North Carolina's ability to to close. This Minnesota team used to be so run-heavy. They haven't had a ton of success this year running the football. Their leading rusher only has 190, or 196 yards, and that's Darius Taylor, who's a true freshman. Again, it was pretty good. But they're 54th in overall rushing, where North Carolina has run the ball very, very well. You know, the pass defense for North Carolina has not been very good. But guess what? The passing attack for Minnesota has been bad, too. Both are actually 121st in the entire country. There's 133 teams in their respected pass offense and pass defense. We're rushing. It's pretty balanced. North Carolina has been top 60. So has Minnesota for, for running the ball offensively. Where you look at the other side of the ball, Minnesota's defense has been very stout, but obviously North Carolina's offense has been very successful. And this is where I think North Carolina stands out. The past defense for Minnesota has been very good. They've played two teams that cannot throw the ball very well. No disrespect to Eastern Michigan and Nebraska, but they are not pass-heavy teams. They've struggled against the run, and North Carolina has done a great job this year running the football. The difference is going to be, Nick, one thing that, that I, I didn't realize until I even went back and looked at the box score after we recorded on Sunday. North Carolina had, what, eight sacks against South Carolina? Nine. Nine? Okay. Guess how many they had against App State? Uh, shoot. Good, very good question. I should know this, but I'm going to guess two. Your guess is two? Yeah. Try again. Zero. Try again. One. Actually, hold on. Now this number's throwing me off again. It was, I've seen zero, I've seen one, I've seen two. So now I'm trying to figure out what is the, this is why I don't like the, uh, yeah, you right three times, that's what it was. <laughs> no, I was right, it was zero. Yeah, it was zero. Okay. Zero sacks. Yeah. If they can get after, I cannot say this guy's name, the Greek, the Greek or the Greek cannon, or the Greek whatever I've seen. All these different nicknames for the Minnesota quarterback. But I'm going to try to say it just because it'll be funny, but it's going to be really bad. 
Calicomanus, I think is what it is. Yeah, Calicomanus, Calicomanus, whatever. But anyways, I mean, his name is Ethan, for goodness sakes. I mean, talk about a beautiful name. Like, if they if they can get him, get after him, I mean, North Carolina is going to win this game easily, to be honest. I think Carolina wins by 10, so they're going to cover. J. Flack's going to bring his best, but... If this game was in Minnesota, I'd actually be a little bit concerned. Um, I'm very excited for this uniform matchup. I I love when you've got two conf- like completely opposite ends of the color spectrum going head-to-head. This is going to be beautiful. I can't wait. But, yeah, titles to cover. I think that they're just going to be able to run the football um, pretty successfully. I think, obviously, a key to watch here is going to be Amari and Hampton. I wouldn't. If he can rush for 100 yards and a touchdown or two in this one, and that could be honestly the difference. So I think I think if North Carolina scores 28 in this game, Nick, they win this by two touchdowns. And I do feel confident that North Carolina can put up 20-plus points on anybody in college football. Yeah, I agree. I remember watching the Nebraska-Minnesota game on week one on that Thursday night, and I think I put out a tweet from our podcast saying if this North Carolina defense cannot stop this Minnesota offense, they're in a heap of trouble throughout the rest of the season. So I'm sticking by my word uh, that this is a good test for them and they can prove a lot of people wrong if they can actually do what they're supposed to do uh, against a bad offense. So we will see. I'm picking North Carolina to win. I'm picking them to cover. I just think, Drake May hasn't had his big game yet, and I think he can have it um, this week against Minnesota. So we'll see. I know the fans will come out and support. Uh, There's no question about that. The stadium will be packed. So Drake May, I think it all comes down to Drake May. He this that's the difference between this. That's the difference in this game because you point out all the similarities that you know this offense is good, this offense is bad, that this defense is good, and this defense is bad. It comes down to Drake May. And if Drake May can do what we think Drake May can do, uh, North Carolina should have no problem at all winning this game. And this is my formal complaint to the ACC schedulers. Why in the world do three teams in the Triangle region play at home at almost all the same time? Like, you really couldn't have put Duke and Northwestern. Yeah, but, like, you couldn't have put Duke and Northwestern at noon. And at 8 o'clock in the AC Network slot, or the ESPN 7 o'clock, ESPN 2, 7 o'clock, you put this Minnesota-North Carolina game. Like, Nick, I don't know if you've seen how bad the slate is this week in the AC, like, in college football in general. Yeah. Like, compared to last week, like, I honestly think I'm going to one of the top five games in college football this weekend in Iowa State at Ohio. (laughs) Like... You know, Pitt, West Virginia is going to fall into it for the rivalry purpose, but, like, there's not a lot of good football this week. Like, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that I'm going to the Iowa State-Ohio game because there are some good games. Again, the Pitt-West Virginia game, I've debated actually going to that game if tickets weren't $300 to watch two mid-teams battle each other. <laughs> but, you know, it's like you look around the country, it's like, Minnesota, North Carolina is one of the better games this weekend. And it's being put on at 3.30, the same time as Duke Northwestern. Like, it just makes me, just it just, 
just makes me mad, man. Just make like FAU Clemson got the eight o'clock slate. Like, why is Northwestern and Duke not getting the eight o'clock slate? Put Clemson on at three thirty in the ACC network. Like, what are you yeah, the night like, game for for Clemson FAU? Yeah, but you bring up Clemson and people were outraged about how the Clemson Florida State game is going to be on at noon, but this Clemson Florida Atlantic game is going to be on at eight o'clock. Like it's, uh, you make a good point. It doesn't make any sense. Clemson, Florida State does not deserve an 8 o'clock kick anymore. Or, play it back. It doesn't deserve the primetime ABC slot. It deserves ABC, but it doesn't deserve that 730 slot. It doesn't. No, I'm I, sorry, I, guys. I agree, like, I, I agree with you. I just, this year, I don't think it deserves a noon game. I think it does. It's on ABC. Like, I know people get pissed about the whole noon game thing. Dude, it's about television. We all know that. Yeah. Noon on ABC is better than 8 o'clock on the ACC network. Everyone should agree on that. Whether they want to or not, like, you know, I hate to be that person, but if you really, truly support your team, guess what? You'll get up at 5 a.m., you'll get hammered, and guess what? You'll have the rest of the day to drink. Yeah, you make like, a point. Like, not to be that jerk, but, like, you're the pro- Like, I'm looking at next week's slay. I know we're not previewing it, but it is the best game at noon. The only other game that somewhat competes is Oklahoma at Cincinnati. Rutgers at Michigan ain't going to do it for anybody. Tulsa NIU ain't going to do it for anybody. Auburn and A&M's not going to do it for anybody. SMU-TCU is, I guess, kind of attractive if you're into that kind of stuff. But, like, there's no good game at noon. Sure, you could, I guess, argue for the 3.30 slot. But that's when Colorado-Oregon is. So you're really going to fight for that game? Probably not. That game's on national television, obviously. Like, and Ohio State-Notre Dame's the 7.30 slate. And Iowa and Penn State whiteout is at 7.30. Like, there's a lot of good football games on. You're going to get way more television rating at noon than you are at 7.30, especially considering where these games are at. Like, right now, the college football world next week it's at 7, 7.30 is going to be watching Ohio State, Notre Dame, not Florida State, Clemson. So, I'm sorry, Clemson fans, but don't lose to Duke on national television and maybe you get the primetime ABC slot. But for now... You don't. I'm sorry. I know we're like, because people are pissed, Nick. It's like, oh, Texas and Baylor. Well, Texas and Baylor is less attractive of a game, but there's a chance that Texas and Baylor will be viewed in as a third screen because of Quinn Ewers. Where Florida State Clemson now gets to be the standalone game at noon. Yeah. So, like, the ABC is being smart because they're like, okay, we're going to have the best game at noon as Texas Baylor's maybe the best game at noon, but, like, it falls under the same category as Oklahoma-Cincinnati in terms of, like, okay, which like, I'd rather watch Oklahoma-Cincinnati because there's a lot of question marks about Oklahoma that I want to see, and there's a chance that Jackson Arnold gets to play. who might be, you know, something special for them. But it's like, okay, anyways, Clemson fans, you can get over yourself. Like, and Florida State fans that are pissed, like, again, I know it's not the same thing because it's about the tailgate and it's about all this stuff. If I'm Florida State, I'm happy I'm playing Clemson at noon. I don't want a night game at Death Valley. <laughs> so, anyways, we move on. North Carolina should handle Minnesota. Do you agree on that? Do you think they're covering Nick? I you never gave a formal yeah, prediction. I think it starts with Drake May. Yeah, okay. I like that. We move on to the 730 slate. Let's go Georgia Tech Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 19.5 point favorite. That's too many daggone points. That's Georgia Tech's going to cover. Points. Georgia, like, 
Ole Miss is getting credit for beating Tulane as if Tulane didn't have a backup quarterback playing in that game. Like, say what you want about Georgia Tech because they're not great. I'm sorry, Georgia Tech fans. Like, you're not a great football team. But you're not bad. I don't think Ole Miss is going to pummel them. I think Ole Miss has some serious questions they need to take a, take a serious hard look at. I think that they're going to win. I think they might even win by 17. But I don't think this is a three-touchdown win for Ole Miss. So I'll say 35-21 to 21, Ole Miss. But, like, I could see Georgia Tech. Like, I could see this game at halftime where everyone's looking around the room like, uh, shit, <laughs> what's going on in Oxford? <laughs> So, yeah, I think this is going to be competitive. Again, I don't think that Georgia Tech's going to go in there and win, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as the spread is saying it should be. And there's going to be people calling in from Oxford, Mississippi on the Paul Feinbaum show, like, what's wrong with Lane Kiffin's team? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the thing to look out for here is Haynes King. I think he's familiar. He's played Ole Miss before, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I I agree. 19 and a half is a lot. And I don't think this is the same Georgia Tech team that we've seen the last couple of years. I think this program has turned a corner. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything near whatsoever what it was last year. I mean, I I think Ole Miss pummeled them. I think it was like 40 to three at one point. Um, And I don't see that happening. Uh, I do have my concerns with Ole Miss. Now they had a very easy game. I think they won like what seventy three to three or something on their first game against a nobody. Um, at Tulane, I'll give them that. And Tulane was a top twenty team, but again, a backup quarterback. Um, Ole Miss struggles on defense. We haven't really seen them. We haven't seen them do well against a. We haven't seen the defense do well. Is what I'm trying to say, and. I get it. They only gave up how many to Tulane? Like 22? What was that score? What was the final score of that? Um, 37-20. 37-20, yeah. So they, they kind of broke out towards the end where Ole Miss took control. But, you know, I'd like to think – I would like to think Hanks King is better than Tulane's starting quarterback. Whoa. Whoa, uh, no. Too, too no. No, Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt didn't play in this game. Michael Pratt is way, Michael Pratt would be the best quarterback in the ACC. Well, no, Jordan Travis exists. Jordan Travis exists, but Michael Pratt got hurt. He didn't play in this game though. He was hurt the week before. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought he got. hurt. Oh, sorry. He was actually more hurt in practice. No, he was hurt in practice. He didn't play at all. Okay, okay, because I had read something on Twitter and made it sound like he got hurt in the middle of the game and that's why Ole Miss was able to take off. I, I my bad, <laughs> but okay. He went back. It may have gotten hurt. I don't, that part I don't remember, but that could have happened, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't think this is the same Georgia tech team. I think they'll give them a good fight for sure. I picking Ole Miss to win, but it's weird. I, I think Ole Miss has, still has some questions that need to be answered. And I feel like Georgia Tech is – they are what they are. They are a rebuilding program um, that's going to you know be scrappy and take, take you on in a fight any day. So um, 19 and a half is a lot. So I'll take Georgia Tech to cover that. Yeah, I mean, a big question is going to be up front for, for Georgia Tech because Tulane 
they didn't dominate Ole Miss up front, but Ole Miss struggled both offensively and defensively up front against Tulane. And I don't know enough about Tulane's front to be like, oh, they're as equal or better or worse than Georgia Tech. But if Georgia Tech can get some push, like, again, as a SOCON person, I have seen the differences between an FBS caliber team, a SOCON team, and then a D2 team. Like, Mercer's front cannot and will not push Ole Miss around. So what happened in that game was the Ole Miss skill was obviously better than Mercer's skill, but again, Ole Miss could push Mercer around. Well, Ole Miss had more talent on the outside. I really do think that, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on their quarterback's name now all of a sudden. Holy crap, the kid that transferred from USC. Shit, what is his name? Hold on. Is he going to drive me nuts now? Jackson Dart. Ja- oh, I think my God, Jack- I was about to say that. I think Jackson Dart is going to, you know, like, he's obviously, I think he's better than Hank King. But, like, if Georgia Tech can get some push on both sides of the ball, like, they can compete. So we'll see what they can do. If you're Georgia Tech, like, this is a big change. Like, if they're competitive in this game, kind of what we talked about with Boston College in a sense, like, there's a lot to consider as a positive. Because going into the Louisville game, like, winning that game obviously would have kind of really made you feel good about them having a shot at a bowl game. But, like, one and two, the season's not lost. You still have Virginia on the schedule. I think they still have Virginia Tech on the schedule. They have a Wake Forest team who, if you're able to get push on Ole Miss, you could probably get some push on Wake. So it'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. But we move on to the final 730 game. Sorry, not the final one. The second to last one. With Syracuse going to Purdue, this line opened at one for Syracuse. Now it's up to two and a half. The problem here is, you know, Syracuse has played nobody. Where Purdue has played two, like, Purdue has played two better teams than anything Syracuse has seen so far. Right. Problem is, is Purdue really struggled with teams that can throw the football. A.K.A. they didn't have that much struggle with Virginia Tech. I think that Garrett, like, I'm in love with Garrett Schrader in the Syracuse offense. They should be able to score. What I am intrigued to see is Syracuse's defense has looked incredible. They're top three in the country in scoring. But it's been Colgate and Western Michigan. So, like, their seven combined points given up all season is not, like, the most impressing thing you've ever seen because it's like, okay, Great, this team is, you know, only giving up seven points all year, but again, it's Colgate and Western Michigan. I don't think that Hudson Carr can go point for point, blow for blow with this Garrett Schrader-led offense right now. I think Purdue has too many question marks. My biggest question, though, is can Syracuse slow down Maccabee in the rushing attack for Purdue? Because if they can make it to where Hudson Carr's got to beat him in the air, I don't think they're going to be able to do because I don't trust Purdue's secondary right now to truly slow down this Syracuse offense. So I think Syracuse wins. I think this game is going to be a hell of a football game. This gives off big 37-34 type vibes, 37-31, 37-30. Something like, there's going to be points scored in this game. I think the over-under was set at 58, so I feel good about an over. Well, this should be a fun one. I'm, I'm again talk about. I'm a big uniform matchup guy. I'm very excited about this uniform matchup. I hope Purdue wears their blacks and Syracuse wears you know white with their 
orange helmets. But anyways, this this will be a, this will be one of the better games of the weekend. But I I'm in love with Syracuse right now, and I hope that I'm I'm not moving too fast with them. Yeah, and that's the thing with this year's team because I remember putting out a tweet this weekend. Um, saying this Syracuse team is very dangerous. Well, we said the same thing last year, starting off six and zero. They were in the top twenty-five, and then they lost their five of last. They lost five of their last six, um, and barely made it bowling. Uh, but the offense is looking really, really good, even better than what I think they started off with last year. And their defense, I get it. They have played nobody, but that Purdue game last year was very close at home. If Syracuse can win by, like, a touchdown, maybe 10 points, and they throw the ball very well, we know that this Syracuse team is different than last year's. And I get it. Purdue is not what they used to be, but this game's at home for Purdue, and they're welcoming in a Power 5 team. So they'll be up for it. It's on NBC, so everyone will be watching it. Um I think this is a good challenge for Syracuse. I think we'll know a lot about them. I think we'll know a lot about Garrett Schrader. I think you and I both agree that he's a stud. I think that he's a top five, maybe top three quarterback in this conference. Um, He's really good. And I think for him to prove that, he's got to go out and beat uh, Purdue. So I got Syracuse in this. I think this team is different than last year's. No, I agree. All right, we move on to the 7.30 kick, Pitt at West Virginia. Pitt is a one-point favorite. That spread has not moved, but West Virginia has been the popular bet here. An over-under of 50. I think West Virginia might win this game, Nick. Uh, It's starting to look like it. Like, I really, really want to pick Pitt. I really want to think that what happened against Cincinnati was just a one-off. But, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. There is so much more for West Virginia to play for right now. They lost that game last year in the most heartbreaking way possible. I mean, they literally threw the game away. Yeah. You're at home. It, dude, like, again, I think I told you this. I was looking at tickets because it's only a two-hour drive, two and a half from Ohio University to West Virginia. And it's, again, I could get there about an hour, hour and a half before kickoff and get in there, obviously, at kickoff. Tickets are $300 after fees just to get in the door. Jeez. So, obviously, like, Morgantown's going to be rocking. It's the first time they've hosted it in a very long time. You know, Neil Brown is literally coaching for his job where, I mean, again, if Narduzzi loses this, there's going to be some angry Pitt fans, but he's not on the hot seat by any means just by this one game. I'm going to I'm going to ride with Pitt on a bounce back cuz I really don't know if West Virginia is very good. I mean, not that I think that Pitt is the caliber of Penn State, but Penn State whooped West Virginia. I mean, it was never even particularly close. And like, sure, West Virginia beat Duquesne, but that's not anything to write home about. And I don't know, man. I think I think if Pitt would have hammered Cincinnati, I'd almost be more likely to lean West Virginia because of the confidence factor, like the, you know, the, not the overlook, but just the kind of like, okay, like we're going to be able to take care of these guys. Cincinnati's is like, 
I think Pitt got a wake-up call. And, I, and I'm just going to put my faith in Phil Dracovic, even though I'm still not really sold on him. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, I, I just don't I don't feel great about West Virginia. I mean, the only thing that I really like about West Virginia is I really do think that C.J. Donaldson, their sophomore running back, is an absolute dude. So if West Virginia can, or excuse me, if Pitt can slow him down, this seems like a pretty easy pit win to me. But if it's not, you know, if they can't slow him down, then that's where I think there's some trouble lying. So I'm going to take Pitt here, but I definitely don't feel confident in it. Uh, I don't know who to take. Maybe when I talk this out, it's just, it was a disappointment last week against Cincinnati at home. I don't, uh, Narduzzi's too good of a coach, I think, to let this continue. The problem is, I think it's Phil Dracovic. Um, even his body language and what he said, he had a not good quote i forgot what it was but i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about it um he he needs to kind of look himself in the mirror and be like what kind of quarterback am i am i what am i gonna do i really gotta buckle down because this is gonna be this could like make or break pit season right now because everyone was so high on them i mean i've said it a billion times if not Clemson or Florida State, I think Pitt could be in Charlotte by December. Um, and that bad loss against Cincinnati is not the way to start that off. And now you're going to your rival's place, and they've got absolutely nothing to lose. They are playing for their coach's job. And if you the, the worst thing in the world for any team in any sport is to lose to a team where their coach is on the hot seat. Neil Brown is the number one guy you think of in college football. Of Who is on the hot seat? Oh, it's Neil Brown. It's him. He's on the hot seat. He would be gone if West Virginia had the money to get him out of there. He would already be gone. That would be a bad look on Phil. That would be a, be a bad look on Coach Narduzzi. It would just be a very, very bad look on this pit program to lose to West Virginia. Um, so I believe that Narduzzi's too good of a coach to lose again, and I think he can bounce back from this. Uh, the problem is Phil, and I hope Phil can turn it around because that game he had was awful. I mean, I think he was, what, 10 for 32? That's really, really bad, really bad. Um so, yeah, we'll see. I, I am cautiously picking Pitt to win this game because I think Narduzzi is just too good of a coach to lose to a coach that's on the hot seat. I'm half tempted to pick West Virginia just to fade you since we don't seem to be disagreeing on, like, anything right now. So, I think uh, you can pick Rutgers. That's the only one. We, we've only disagreed twice so far this season, though. So, we gotta we got to pick it up. But... No, I mean, it can go either way. I mean, my again, I agree with you. Like, Phil Dracovic to me, man, like, when, when, he, when he left BC, I don't think BC was bummed about it. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. Now, again, Whitehead, or Moorhead, excuse me, not Whitehead. Moorhead has been, you know, obviously they've kind of moved on from him. But 
you know, they, they didn't seem to be like, oh, no, this is the end of, of an era, like, we're screwed. So, we'll see. We'll see, like, man, it feels so weird that we're, what, two years removed from the ACC quarterback, like, conference, and a lot of those quarterbacks are elsewhere, and they're like, oh, yeah, Brian Armstrong, eh, Phil Dracovic, eh, <laughs> Devin Leary, eh, <laughs> like, it's strange to me, but... Anyways, we move on to the last game, FAU at Clemson. Clemson is a 24-point favorite. FAU is coming off of a pretty bad loss at home to Ohio. Um, I'm going to do it to myself again, Nick. I'm going to pick Clemson to cover just because, like, I want to believe. I want to believe that this team is actually going to come out and roll. Just start to finish, play a complete game. They didn't do it last week. They messed around way too much. You can't afford to do that against FAU. FAU is coached by a pretty good, you know, pretty good head coach. You know who the head coach is at FAU, Nick? Uh, wait. Oh, my God. What's his name? Uh, Tom Herman from formerly known as Texas. Yes. Yes, thank you. I had his face in my head. Thank you. I forgot his name. Like, Tom Herman is trying to do what Lane Kiffin did. Right. Make FAU relevant, and he's not off to as hot of a start, but, like, this could be his chance. <laughs> you know, it's Death Valley at night. I mean, Clemson needs something right now, because right now, I mean, we dropped them in our, in our power rankings, and, like, it felt weird. Some way people were like, oh, how can you put Wake above them? Well, because Wake has looked like a complete team for two games. Where Clemson has looked incomplete both games. But And like people were like, oh, well, Clemson beat Charleston Southern way more than Elon. Elon would smack Charleston Southern. Yeah. Like, Elon might be able to do a 66-17 to win against Charleston Southern. So, it's saying a lot that this Clemson team has looked very abysmal. Like, the offense, like, under Kay Klubnik has looked bad. And so it'll be interesting to see because, you know, Ohio had some success against FAU. Can Clemson do the same? I'm going to say yes, but, I mean, we talk about, oh, like, oh, what's got to be a success for Clemson? Clemson has to cover for this to be a successful win. The only way that I will accept a non-successful cover is if they're up 38 nothing at halftime and then they're going to the backups in the third quarter and it ends up being 38 to like 41 to, to 20 or something because FAU, of course, with Tom Herman's going to not quit on that game, then maybe I'd be like, okay, fine, whatever. It is what it is. Like, you've got Florida State next week. Like, call off the dogs. I get it. But if you mess around where it's a two score game midway through the third quarter, like, you know, talking about 28-14, man, that game next week against Florida State might be an absolute ass-kicking if they're not careful. Yeah. Yeah, similar to what I said with uh, other quarterbacks, I think I said about uh, Jack Plummer with Louisville and Brennan with NC State. Um, for Cade, just don't make any mistakes. Just like you had – I mean, Micah, he had, like, one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen against Charleston Southern. It was that bad. Um, 
that that interception. I mean, in in his defense, the Charleston Southern guy was wide open. <laughs> I mean, yeah, good point. Good point. I mean, he um, saw the he, coach said find the most wide open guy and hit him. He did. He did. Just he, happened he to be on the wrong team. He most certainly completed that task, and he deserves an A for it, uh, 100%. <laughs> um, but that's what I'm kind of looking for. Like, it's going to be nighttime at Death Valley. Everyone should be up, ready for this game. Like, if you're a Clemson fan, the season's obviously not over for you. Um, Cade needs to prove, like, there's so many, he's got so many doubters now, and those doubters used to be supporters of him. Uh, because the narrative has flipped to where DJ wasn't the problem. Um, I'm just looking for him to have a really good game. Because, listen, you can't always rely on Will Shipley. Will Shipley cannot bail you out. And guess what? You pointed out, Micah, last week, or I think during the Duke or after the Duke game, Clemson's wide receiver room is not what it used to be. Okay? It's, it's just simply not. Uh, those receivers need to step up. They need to help out Cade, get open, the, the whole offense. You can't just be, you know, a mid-2000s running team. That's not that's not going to happen, and Will Shipley cannot do it all. And he can't be the only one catching screen passes either when there's not an option left to throw to. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Kate Cullen not to make mistakes and actually have a very good game. That's what he needs to do for against an inferior opponent. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what we get from these guys because you, you can expect a lot more from them, but you can also expect a lot less. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a big show me game. I guess Nick, before we right now we've talked for a long time, but I, because the slate is so light. But there are some games near the top that, like, I don't think one game truly stands out. So I want to know, what game are you most excited for this weekend? Ooh, good question. Um, hmm. Do you have one? Yes. So I was yours first. I, for a long time, was leaning Minnesota, North Carolina. Yeah, because, I was leaning there, but... Because of what, you know, again, we talked about it two weeks ago. With North Carolina, you've got to show me, like, that you're different. Because right now, I don't believe you're any different than last year. You're a good football team with a high ceiling and a pretty low floor. But I'm going to say Syracuse-Purdue. Because... Because because Purdue beat Virginia Tech last week in Blacksburg, I'm not as down on Purdue as I thought I was going to be. You know, again, I, I joke that, like, I for whatever reason, I'm on that Purdue bandwagon. I've gone to a Purdue game every year. Last year, I watched them you lose a heartbreaker at Maryland. Or no, sorry, win? Did they win or lose? Honestly, I don't even remember if they won or lost now. It was, yeah, they won. They won a close one against Maryland. I watched them upset Iowa when you know, Iowa was, like, the number two team in the country two years ago. Like, I've always kind of had a soft spot for Purdue for whatever reason. And, you know, so I've always followed them closely, and I genuinely thought this year was a wash, where now I think they could actually be a bowl team. And this game is going to obviously be huge, because I think if Syracuse wins this game, you can pencil Syracuse as a bowl team. 
because I really do think that they are going to be a four and four ACC team, even maybe even a three and five. And obviously, three and zero non conference start with I believe Army still left on the slate. Like that puts you in a very good spot to obviously be four and zero. So you know it's obviously a highly contested game. Purdue is a, a very underrated place to play. It is Army to, to end it. So like. If you start the season 4-0, and which I think is very doable, they beat Purdue on the road. I genuinely do believe they're going to beat Army. Dude, they might be ranked when they host Clemson. And if they're not, I think they can beat Clemson at home. And we're talking about 5-0 and Syracuse, who would be ranked going into Chapel Hill. So there's a lot on this game from that standpoint. I think, like... I know this is crazy, but like if Minnesota goes into Chapel Hill and beats North Carolina, that's a bigger, bigger ordeal for the conference. But you know, at the end of the day, like Minnesota is a Big Ten West type of you know caliber type champion potentially. And again, like all it does is just unfortunately solidify how we feel about North Carolina. About oh, it's just a quarterback, and then the rest of the team is it. Where I think if Syracuse like. Because there's a, there's a legitimate world, Nick, where I think if if everything goes the way, you know, we've seen so far with Syracuse, like, they might take a 2-3 score victory in this game if Purdue struggles to, to slow them down on that passing attack. And if Syracuse's defense is a stingy, like, again, they've given up seven points all year to bad teams, but that's still seven points. <laughs> like... There's a world where they win this game. They give up, you know, three times the amount, give up 21, but then score 38 or 45. And if Purdue, or excuse me, if Syracuse goes into Purdue and wins 38 to 21, I can bet your sweet ass next week on the podcast, I'm going to be hopping all over Syracuse going, this team's going to be, you know, a potential team in Charlotte, honestly. (laughs) So... Like, I mean, again, I wouldn't pick them to be the team, but they're definitely, <laughs> they've entered the chat. <laughs> right. So I think that one by far gets me the most excited. And I'm also amped because obviously if I don't go to Purdue, excuse me, Pitt, West Virginia, which I don't think I am because I just can't afford that, then, I mean, I'll be home. It's only a three and a half to four hour drive from Ohio to my house. So I'll be home. I might miss the first quarter. But I'll, I'll be home to watch most of that game. So, selfishly, too, like, that's a game I'm going to be driving home to. Like, that'll get screen number one over Pitt, West Virginia, in my opinion, unless it's just a blowout. That's a good pick. You see, I, it, there's not a, like you said, not a game where it's like, oh, my God, this is the game of the week right here. Like, every single game has some meaning to it, has some narrative, um, has something that you can get excited about, but I'm going to go, I think I will go pit West Virginia because I, I think me personally, I was, I'm still, I am high on Pittsburgh and I think I really want to see them bounce back and to do it in your rival's home, I think would be huge. I think it's going to be very exciting. I think the atmosphere in Morgantown is going to be fantastic. Um, and if Pitt get, pulls out a win there, I think they're back. I think we can, you know, put the pass behind us a little bit. Also, depending on what the score is, I think you have to factor that in as well. But, you know, and again, it's a rivalry. It's the backyard brawl. Uh, 
Um, it's one of the better games, I think, in the con- in the country because it's the backyard brawl. So, uh, but that does not take away from all the other games as well. I think Duke Northwestern's uh, going to be interesting. Like you said, Minnesota North Carolina will be good. Um, there's a whole lot to be excited about this week, and you kind of nitpick the little details for every game. And I think we did a good job today. What, uh, what to look forward to in each game. But I will go Pitt-West Virginia because I think Pitt needs a bounce back here. And I think it will be interesting to see if they can do it. All right, last question. That's another tough one. Who's playing in Charlotte if you had to pick right now? Right now, if I had to pick, I will go Florida State-Miami. I have a hot, spicy take. Florida State, Louisville. Oh, I don't hate it at all. I like it. I like it. I I think that Louisville's path is just like – I did like that in that site I talked about all the time, the predictors site today. I have currently Miami at 5-3 and three in the ACC, NC State at 5-3 and three in the ACC, Louisville 5-3 and three in the ACC, Duke at 5-3 and three in the ACC. And instead of trying to figure out how those logistics work, right? Like, if, and I have Miami with a better overall record at nine and three because they get to avoid Notre Dame, where pretty much every other team I just listed played Notre Dame in the conference schedule. But I was like, which team, based off their path, do I feel like could potentially get an extra win from this? And I went immediately to Louisville. The slate is easy. And from what we've seen from them so far, for seven of eight quarters, they've been a dominant football team. I mean, think about it. They played one of the worst quarters in football we've seen all year from an ACC team and still won that game. Yeah. And they won it, like, not handily, but, like, they won by double digits, if I'm not mistaken, right? (laughs) If not, it was pretty darn close. (laughs) They won by five. They really won by five? Yeah. Oh, it's like Georgia got that last second touchdown, didn't they? Like a late, like late drive yeah, touchdown or yeah. something. It looked like they but were like, about to make a comeback. Yeah, like, but again, like that's right because they had the chance to to potentially, you know, go, go down and and tie the game or whatever. But you know, again, they made it thirty nine twenty eight with two thirty four left or whatever, you know, and then they gave up the long drive. But like, I I just I kind of like what I've seen just based off their schedule, and like I really do think that the ACC is just going to cannibalize itself. Like I'm not sold on North Carolina. I'm not sold. Like Nick, if I'm if I'm you as an NC State fan, I'd be kind of pissed right now that you've looked so rough. Because if you lived up to my expectations and what I was hoping to see, dude, you would be like my clear cut going to Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. Because no, like you get Clemson at home. <laughs> That's huge. Like I honestly right now have Clemson going eight and four. Because of how like their schedule is not easy, they go on the road to some very tough teams, and they get Notre Dame at home, obviously. But that's like I think Notre Dame is just light years better right now, dude. It's it's gonna be crazy. Like I mean, I I honestly don't hate the Miami. Like Miami is kind of like the the safe pick right now, to be honest. But I was just like looking at it. I'm like, you know what? Let's have some fun. Like I think, and like there was uh, I think it was Kelly Ford maybe. Or some some Twitter page that I follow on my personal account tweeted out their like statistics like for who and, they, and it's cool because the graphic shows like how it changes by week of who's projected to play and like the percentage of 
making their conference championship game, and they actually had Louisville and, and Florida State. And I was like, okay, like I'm glad I'm not the only psychopath that sees like a window here for Louisville. So you, all, can you send me that? Because that sounds very interesting to me. I would like. To I got. I gotta find it again. I don't know if I liked it or not. And obviously, like this was much earlier today, so. Unfortunately, you know how that works, right? It gets lost yeah. in the algorithm, and I don't remember who exactly tweeted it, so like, it's not like I could go directly to their page. Let me see if I liked it really quick, because if not, then there's a good chance I'm never going to see it. But, yeah, I don't like my odds. I don't see it, so I'll see if it maybe pops back up in my following at some point, because thankfully, you know, it doesn't always automatically refresh, so maybe it'll pop back up, but I don't, I don't like the odds too much. Oh, heck yes. Nick, they're giving away dope shirts for the Virginia NC State game when we go. So uh, I'm amped about that. So cool. Um, love that for us. But anyways, the Virginia shirt for your closet. Love that for you. But, oh, man, I wish I could find it. But anyways, if I Nick, but that wraps this one up, obviously. We got we to gotta get off here. We've been on for a little while. I'd like to you know, go home and actually rest for a little bit because I think I have to go back to soccer again tomorrow because that's just what working in college athletics means, especially with weather in September. Oh, also, shout out to uh, Brock Wilkin. You see he got caught up double A today? Yeah, my brother actually just told me like an hour before we hopped on. So mm -hmm. shout out to Brock. And uh, I wanted to tell you real quick, uh, a lot of the baseball guys are coming back uh, to train here in Winston. Uh, Seth? Luckily for Seth Keener, like I saw him this morning, um, he he's a local kid, so he's like literally living the dream. Like he's being paid to play professional baseball, and he gets to train for three months at home, and also next door to a great facility. So a lot of the guys are starting to roll on back and start training very soon. Uh, I even talked to Tommy Hawk's dad. Um, so that that's really cool. He he'll be coming back to Winston within the next couple of weeks. But yeah, congrats to Brock. Double A. I was hoping that he would get that call uh before the end of the season because we've already seen guys throughout the country get called up to double A. Obviously Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. So I'm glad that Brock got called up. So congrats to him. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, that about wraps this one up, but excited for the head. Should be a very good weekend in college football to see what's next for us. Um, and yeah, as always, thank you for listening. It means just a little country. And as always, oh, I found it, Nick. I found the tweet for you, so I'm sending it to you. I'm sending it to oh, the fifth quarter page, so, so you'll get to see it. It was my guy, Kelly Ford. Shout out to him. But anyways, as always, it means just a little bit less here in ACC country, and go ACC.